Hello, everyone. Welcome to Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langling, your host. I'm also an author, freelance writer, and public speaker. But today, I want to welcome in my new friend, Ann Anderson, aka Coach Ann. She is an Amazon number one best selling author, speaker, and certified transformational life coach. Now, folks, she's got quite a story to share. So please grab your favorite cup of coffee, sit back and relax, and let's listen in to the show. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langling, your host. I am so very pleased, pleased to have Ann Anderson, aka Coach Ann. She is an Amazon number one best-selling author, speaker, and certified transformational life coach. The, she is also the CEO and founder of Unstoppable Women's Network Group. She believes that all women can become unstoppable. And the name of her book, which was the number one best Amazon bestselling uh, book, is called The Butterfly Uprising, and that is available on Amazon. So, Anne, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me on Let Fear Bounce today. Oh, thank you so much, Kim, for having me. I'm so honored and blessed to be here. So excited about this um, interview. So thank you so much for, for this invitation. Oh, no problem. And I've been looking forward to it. You've got quite a background story. And we were talking off mic before we before we started. I, I told Ann, I said we could we could sit here and talk for hours. You've got a you've got a big story behind you. Um, but the first thing I'd love to touch on is your book. I, I love the I love the title. Thank you. Absolutely love the title. And whenever I think of butterfly, I always think of the, the different transformations mm -hmm. that, you know, one goes through to become a butterfly. Let me or let our listeners know how that book came about and how you came up with the title. Okay, awesome. Well, I've always, thank you so much. So the, the title, uh, well, at least part of it, I've had it for a very, very, very long time. I've known for like uh, at least 30 years before writing the book, actually, that when I wrote the book, I knew I was going to write a book, that it was going to be Butterfly, something. I just didn't know, you know, that the whole title, right? And I didn't know what it was going to be about, actually. So it was not until I actually started writing that week and, uh, you know, decided to go on and sit down and write. Actually, my son was very instrumental in doing that because it was something I've been putting off for many, many years. And he's like, Mom, do it. Today, do it this week. Oh my gosh, okay, okay. But I did it. So I did the rough draft that, that week. It took me a couple of weeks, actually. And then I continued to develop it over a process of a year. And at the point when he, he you know, squeezed me like that, I realized, you know what, the book is actually, you know, we, when we had kind of started talking about it up until that point, too, that it was going to be about my life. Uh, chronicalized from age 10 up to 59. And then, um, you know, because there's been a lot of transformation, I've always loved uh, butterflies too. I used to go to my, visit my grandparents when, during the summer when I was a kid and they had this huge tree in the, in the front yard and it had all these caterpillars, you know, the butterflies. And I used to just sit there and watch them all the time, but I didn't even really connect the dots. Uh, really like until now while I'm talking to you that that might be why butterfly just kind of stuck in my head yeah uh, yeah I decided when I wrote a book it was going to be butterfly something and then at the point where I actually finished writing the book you know so I was thinking it just seemed like it just needs something else like you know so we're talking about 
change, transformation, like evolving, those kind of things. So something to go along those lines. And then, you know, during my research, Uprising just kind of popped out and it seemed to fit. So, you know, there I go, Butterfly Uprising. And basically it's about the metamorphosis of one woman's life's journey through interlocking stories of incest, drug addiction, and domestic violence. But it's, it's funny, it's triumphant, it's also faith-based. And um, like I said, it was creatively written to uh, correlate with the developmental stages of the butterfly. But ultimately it uh, speaks about our inner ability, no matter what it is that we go through, to prevail through God's undeniable grace. Through God's undeniable grace. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Amen. Yes, Amen. Yes. And it's funny uh, because I, I am working currently working on a three book, a three book series that's entitled When Grace Found Me. Whoa. Wow. I love that. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it's uh, they're they're anthologies. So it's each book is going to it has uh, 20 women from around the world sharing their stories of when grace found them. I love it. I can't wait till it come out. This is uh this is interesting. This is this is interesting. <laughs> I'm telling you, the connections with people that I have been making lately through this podcast Aww. are definitely God-led. I, I believe all of this, yeah, is divinely uh set up, orchestrated for all of us. Really. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I feel it. Yeah. And like you, I've met a lot of great connections with a lot of just wonderful, absolutely amazing, like yourself, you know, soul sisters, you know, spiritual sisters and stuff like that. I actually have uh, an interview coming up on Friday, and that's where it's going to be mostly focused about uh, different spiritual awakenings, and I've had a few of those as well. So, yeah. Then yeah. you and I are going to have to talk more off mic. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so I love the book. I, you know, I, I I'm going to purchase it. Actually, I want to get on there. I, I love the whole concept and how you explained how that came. And you've got obviously quite a journey. You are a you're currently a coach. You're the yeah. CEO and founder of Unstoppable Women's Network Group. Yeah. Now, is that a Facebook group? Is that a membership group? It is a Facebook group. It is. And then what, what is your, what's your main focus for that, for that, for that group? Uh, my main focus for that is that I help women to change their lives from head to toe, inside and out by letting go of their past using simple techniques that have powerful results so that, you know, you can break free from your self-critical thinking, control your thoughts and feelings, master your emotions, achieve your ideal body, mend and build healthy relationships and find confidence to reach your highest potential and also to divine your, that the breathtaking life uh, of your dreams, which is your birthright. And ultimately to maximize all of your life experiences uh, to become unstoppable because I believe that's what I've done. That's what I'm in the process of doing. And so, you know, I just use all of my life experiences to help women to overcome, do the same thing that I've been able to do. And I think that's amazing. And I, I, I believe that a lot of us do that. You know, you look back in hindsight mm -hmm. and although you wouldn't wish a lot of what we may have went through on anyone, no, no. <laughs> you do, you do look back and you see the path that was laid for you right. exactly. to bring, to bring you to where you are now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and sharing, sharing that light, even if it's just a pinprick, 
right. your words, your written word, your spoken word. You never know who it's going to reach, whose ears it's going to land on, whose hands a book is going to land on, and they're going to be reading those words. And it's going to provide that light where they thought before that there was none. Exactly. Yes. And I, I just, I find it so exciting know, um, right? <laughs> to, to meet other people that are doing the same thing and why it, it seems like I never noticed, or maybe I wasn't in the right place to notice mm -hmm. just how many people are doing that. Okay. But I've noticed it a lot more in the last year. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I uh, like you, uh, it was an aha moment of revelation for me too, actually about four years ago, you know, it's so easy to, you know, feel all alone, like you're, you know, on an island by yourself, you know, before I, I, I'm from Houston, Texas, but I was raised in Shreveport, Louisiana. So now I live in, in Dallas, Texas. I moved here four years ago, this past December. And honestly, before I moved here, uh, it was really easy to, to feel like, you know, that you were the only one, you know, like you hear different things, but you're not uh, surrounded by these kind of people. You don't really, you know, you're not in a position where you can hear more more other people's stories or, or, or position yourself to be around more people who like who are like you. Right. Like more like-minded like you. So I felt like, you know, even though I may have been around a lot of people, I still felt like I was very much alone. <laughs> and uh, when I moved here, uh, you know, I was focused on networking, getting connected to everyone that I could meet who would could understand my journey and what I'm doing or why I feel compelled or passionate about, you know, using my voice to share my story to try to help other women. And that's what God led me to do. So I've met like, oh my gosh, just hundreds of thousands of amazing women, you know, some uh, we got a chance to connect in person. I've done like four retreats over the past four years before all this pandemic, you know, COVID-19 <laughs> stuff started. And uh, yeah, but it was very, uh, so now I, I think that like I was sharing with a friend, I, I, I it's been about probably about two years since I've done an interview. I've been, I've gotten the opportunity to do a lot of them now all of a sudden. And I feel that I've grown over the past two years since I've been here, I'm more vulnerable and able to open up even more so than I was before. So I'm, I'm very excited even more so now to do these interviews because I feel like I'm gonna be able to say something to help people even more than I was before. Exactly, you, know? you can, yes, your impact, your impact has a farther, a, a wider range, a wider reach now. Right, right. <laughs> love it, I love it. Um, and I'm and I'm so happy to have you on the podcast and help you along on that mission. My uh, playing my little part of it. Right. So your your background, you mentioned you know domestic domestic violence, um, drug addiction, incest. That's a lot. That is a lot um, for a person to hear. Right. It honestly, is. it 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 um it. And I'll be honest, it just it made me cringe. Because I'm thinking that's an awful lot for one person to go through. And I'm not naive enough to think that it doesn't happen. Right. But it's that I can't even put myself in your shoes for a journey like that. And you said this began at the age of 10? At the age of 10, yes. At the age of 10, uh, I found myself uh, in a situation where my stepfather, uh, you know, came into my room and 
you know, just kind of rocked my world. You know, all of a sudden, I, be I before that, I remember I was telling someone that I feel like I knew what I was supposed to do, you know, because I believe that I've been helping people all my life. Like my, I was one of these kids, instead of playing with dolls, I was cooking like a three, four, five course meal at, at the age of 10 as well, because I, it's like I came out of the womb and I just followed my mother around. I wanted to do everything that she was doing. So I had the kitchen and brooms and mops of my own as a kid. And I remember that very vividly and just being on her, on her heels, watching her do everything. And eventually the kitchen and everything became mine at a very, very young age. So, and then when that happened, you know, of course, uh, it just kind of took a lot of the wind out of me. All of a sudden now I'm in fear. I don't really know who I am. That light just kind of went out. So there were at least about 30 years where, you know, I'm searching and struggling, trying to figure out who I am, what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, why am I here? You know, just trying to figure out everything, who I am. And, and uh, you know, when I was finally uh, able to stop the um, incest from happening, and what happened was I just got, even though it was very, um, you know, he, uh, it was a lot of fear there as well because he threatened me, he carried a gun. So he was shooting up in the air and threatened to, you know, kill everyone in my family, everyone that I love, you know, he threatened to, to hurt, do something too. So I thought I was protecting my family by being quiet and not saying anything, you know? And uh, he would tell me that he had people watching me at school, you know, like cops and different things and just everything I did, he knew. He knew everything, every move that I made. And at some point, but at the same time, I was always, I guess, one of these very, I guess, inquisitive uh, kids. I was a good student. So I kept my eyes and ears open and I would observe him. I got to know him, I guess, and over the years, uh, I, the fear kind of, you know, went away a little bit. I started, you know, feeling like, yeah, you know, that's um, it's not going to happen. And you know what? I was at a point where if it did, it was okay because I was just really tired of, you know, what was going on at the time. And yeah. I called this bluff one night and then it just stopped. Uh, so the last year of high school, we, we lived in the same house still. And it, but I don't even recall us ever saying another word to one another. Now, I know that's not, you know, maybe strange to a lot of people, but uh, yeah. And, you know, he was a drunk and this, that, and the other. And, you know, it was just that I, I was just shocked, you know, that that's all I really had to do. Whereas there were years that I was so afraid to do that, you know, but at the point where I mustered up the nerve where I just didn't care what happened afterwards. Right. Uh, you know, then it changed everything. And, but I didn't really deal with it. I didn't share with my parents and nobody. I just kept it all inside. And so I was broken and bruised and messed up. And evidently I'm a good actor. <laughs> I realized I was a good actor because I was good at pretending that I was okay. Everything was all right. I kept myself very busy. I started a band when I was 15 years old, taught myself how to drive, drove to school, had a job the whole nine years while I was in high school. And I had a whole lot of responsibility at home. Uh, I'm the oldest of seven children. So I was like their second mom. So I did the shopping, the cooking, the cleaning, and, you know, getting them ready for bed and up for ready for school and, you know, the whole nine yards. My mother was a nurse, but she, uh, you know, very simple life skills. Uh, so, and I realized 
at a young age too, that evidently there was some fear with, as far as she was concerned, uh, dealing with him. And a lot of times I was the buffer when I saw things about to escalate, I would be the one to go up in the middle and be like, uh-uh, that's not happening. If it, if it does, something else gonna happen. Yeah. And I like it. So I became the protector and all those kind of things, but I didn't have anyone protecting me. Right. And so when I finally got out of the house the year after I ended up, I graduated from high school, I'd already made arrangements for myself to go to college in Miami, Florida. I went to medical school did all of the arrangements myself because I was working. So I, you know, sent for an application, paid for everything, set everything up. And, um, and then the first guy I met, I met, I've always been artistic and singing since I was a child. And like I told you, I had my own band, met this musician who was Haitian in Miami and he ended up being my husband and my baby daddy. <laughs> that's where I was introduced to drugs. So before, you know, I, I uh, tried to bury my pain and shame and guilt and, you know, all of that with activities. You know, I did everything you can think of. I sang, I danced, I, I worked, you know, I created my own band. You know, I was a grade A student, you know, and worked my butt off at the house and outside the house, you know, to keep myself busy. But then when I was introduced to drugs, that became my, that became the, the thing that, uh, that I felt that I loved and helped me the most. So, and that was like the best way that I could cut out all the other activities. All I wanted to do was the drugs, but I was a functioning drug addict, you know, so I was able to maintain a household, you know, take care of a family and a job, uh, the whole nine yards. So a lot of times when I tell people, uh, you know, I was a drug addict for 20 plus years and ended with two years, the last two years doing uh, crack cocaine, they were like, when? I'm like, uh, yes, when you saw me, <laughs> I was doing it. I just, you know, was functioning a closet case and I just didn't do it in the front of you, but I've been doing this and hiding it for many, many years, off and on, more on than off though. <laughs> yeah, now did that, wouldn't that, I would assume that this would have an effect on your health, like your physical health. Well, you know, what I, what I learned and that, I mean, we could probably talk about that a lot more when we get into the spiritual awakening thing, but what I do, what I did realize after coming to Christ in my early 30s and you know, getting involved in the word and learning my faith and things like that, what my pastor used to say all the time, which I learned firsthand, was that you know, God forgives us you know, for things that we, that we do, uh, especially the things that we do in our bodies and things like that. But that does not mean that you won't, you won't still suffer the consequences. So what happened was, you know, after so many years of doing that in my uh, early 30s, right after I got married the, the second time, my second husband and I end up coming down with acute hypothyroidism. I don't know if you're familiar with that, it has to do with your metabolism, so I put on all this weight all of a sudden. But it was just an array of things, but more than that, in my 50s, my body just completely broke down. And so... I went through a lot of different medical challenges. I almost died at one time. I had 15 specialists uh, in the hospital for over a month. <laughs> yes. Wow. And they called my family in and everybody. It was just, you know. And so what I, I associate, and it was very mysterious. They still, to this day, I was undiagnosed. They don't know what it was. They think it might have been some insect or something. It could have bit me, you know, something like that. But, uh, you know, they just didn't know. So all they could do was, my symptoms 
And so what I realized with all my medical stuff, you know, that's a whole different book right there. <laughs> a whole different, that's a whole, that's a lot more of the books, okay? That, uh, that, that was what was happening. You know, all those bad things I did in my body when I was younger, you know, as a teenager up until my 30s, yeah, that they would come, that's how they manifested themselves. You know, all these different mysterious things and then illnesses come up. And, but God brought me through all that. I'm still here, you know, so uh, I'm just grateful. I'm so grateful. And that's why, you know, people always, how could you, you know, be so happy, always smiling? And because I'm so grateful, I realize how blessed I am. That's why. <laughs> well, and, and also, why would you want to stay in a dark place? You know, you finally got, you finally got out of it. That's cause for joy right there. Exactly. And then, and that this time I had the word to keep me, you know, give me comfort, give me hope, you know, so I had something more than I ever had to, to work with or try to cope with, the, you know, the things that I had gone through before. So this was like the best thing ever. And I knew, you know, I always knew even when I was, especially those last two years of uh, my drug addiction, you know, and I, and I tell this story and I know a lot of times people, it's hard for them to believe this as well, but I was so miserable. You know, I would spend all my money doing the crack and it, it never failed. You know, what happens, what I learned as a drug addict is that what, what people end up doing, the reason that they get hooked because they're, they start chasing that first high from the very first time that they, you know, start messing with drugs, you know, but you never find that. You never get that first high back again. It's just not gonna happen. So you can use all these different things to try to increase the marijuana you know, go to different drugs, LSD and, you know, this and that, but all right. But unfortunately it takes you forever to figure that out, that you're not going to find, you know, you're not going to get that feeling that you had the first time that you did whatever drug it was that you did. It's not going to happen. Right. And so I was absolutely miserable and I kept praying to God and telling him that I didn't want to do this. You know, I really, really, really wanted to stop. And you know, I believe that he heard me. So two years into that, I have been, my baby sister, something, what happened before that, I end up having to let my baby sister take care of my one and only son because during one of my, <laughs> one of my uh, escapades of, you know, smoking crack, my gun accidentally went off in the house and I thought I, I had hurt my child. And so that scared me so much that I felt like, okay, you know, that was a wake, one of my wake up calls that I need to put him somewhere else where he's gonna be safe because obviously I'm not in a position to be, uh, to take care of him and protect him as well as I should as his mom. So uh, she was in this wonderful church out in this little small town in Louisiana. And I mean, her husband used to be my drinking buddy and all of a sudden, Oh, they had gotten so holy and spiritual, you know, the kids were all singing gospel music and my sister singing, her husband singing. So I'm like, wow, okay. So I had heard all these wonderful things and she kept inviting me to come. So I'm like, okay, so I need to put him there. That's where you need to be. Yeah. <laughs> you can take care of him. Yeah, for me. And I will come back and pick him up. I'm going to get myself together. And she kept inviting me to this church. And two years in, I finally went to it and went up for prayer, asked for prayer. And I don't even think I said anything about the, the drugs. I asked him to take it away. But when I asked Christ to come and live in my heart and be my Lord and savior, all of a sudden he took, supernaturally, he took 
the drugs, alcohol away from me. So one day I was a crack addict and the next day I wasn't. I've never went to re never suffered any type of withdrawal. Wow. <laughs> I know, right? That's unheard of. <laughs> I know. And so, you know, I, and I, I've, I've uh, talked to other people. I know a lot of the people who were drug addicts, you know, they've lost everything. They've gone through rehab two or three different times and still having a hard time, you know, and at the time I had a nephew on my husband's side, you know, who was struggling with it. And, you know, so that was the thing. I talked to him about it and people were like, should you talk to him about it? Because I know your story is so different. You usually seem, you know, people have such a hard time getting over it, but still, you know, I share it because I wanted people to know, I know that God is no respected person. He may not do it like that for everybody, but he will do it like that for somebody else. And so somebody, everybody needs to know that that's how he did it for me. And it's a possibility. You just go to him and ask him and trust and believe. And he, it's a possibility he will do it for you like that as well. And that's, that's the thing. You have to humble yourself. Right. And ask for his help and his grace and his love and his forgiveness. Yes. yes. You know, and as long as you're doing it with a sincere heart, He's, he's going to help you, but it's going to be different from every person because every person is so different. Right. You, know? you had said a few minutes ago when you were, when you were discussing this, this, this drug addiction journey, mm -hmm. and you said how, how um, folks that are addicted, they become addicted and keep chasing, keep chasing that first high. Right, right. And I wrote that down as you were, I, I, I take notes as people talk. So I wrote that down as you were talking okay. and I put it in quotes and I'm sitting there and then you started talking about your faith journey. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't, I can't help but see that there's a parallel. You were chasing, chasing that first high. And then you're in church asking <laughs> the one that's most high. Oh, wow. <laughs> For, 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 you know, for redemption and, and saving and, and grace. And I actually, I got goosebumps with that. So you went from chasing one kind of high to the one who is most high. Okay, yes, ma'am. I'm telling you. <laughs> I know this is audio only people, but if you, if our listeners could see, I had my hands in the air on that one. <laughs> And I, and I didn't even really, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, I, I'm having chills. You, you know how you feel when, yeah, you have that. And it's like, my head is like, yeah, like very light and spinning because I didn't even think of it like that. I just knew my, my thought process was those last two years that it's gotta be something better than this. I don't know what it is, but my life at the time, I was just tired of sin. I was tired of sex. I was tired of drugs. I was tired of just, everything that my life looked like at that time, I was tired of it, you know? And yeah. I, was, I was searching and looking for something else. And I kept saying to myself, well, it's got to be, I don't know what it, it's gotta be something out there better than what I'm doing at this very moment. Right. And the way I'm feeling and, and it was. And I, when I finally went to that church, I found out what it was and it was Christ. <laughs> it's it so was. cool. I mean, seriously, when, <laughs> As soon as those words left your mouth, I wrote them down. And, I, and then you started talking about church. I'm going, oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is just, it's so, that is so amazing. And, and isn't that just how he works? Uh, oh, yes, ma'am. It is. It is. He has a sense of humor. 
<laughs> oh, I'm sure he does. You <laughs> over the years, yes, ma'am. But that's okay. I love it. You know, I'm good. I'm good with that. I'm good with anything that he does or decides to do in my life because I know he knows best since he created me. He knows exactly who I am, what I'm supposed to be, and I know that uh, that this is what I'm supposed to be doing now, and that the only reason why you know he blessed me, even if you know a lot of people ask me. So, you know, if God was there, you know, why would he, you know, let that happen to you, you know, and, but I know he was there, you know, and it was only by his grace that I survived all that stuff, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so yeah, he allowed things and I believe that he did it because uh, he knew that he could trust me to do exactly what I'm doing today. He knew he could trust me to share my story, all these things that he's brought me through, bless me to overcome, and then that I would lead them to him. And that's what he wants. We are, yeah. you know, we are to become his disciples, and it doesn't matter at what age. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, if folks, if folks would read the Bible a little bit more, they would notice that he didn't use perfect people. Exactly. Right. Most of they the were time, far from perfect. They, they had some tragic lives. They did some hard, horrific things. Oh yes, they did. Yes, they did. And and then you know turned around and you know <laughs> we're sharing sharing his words. Exactly. So yeah, this is a wow, amazing. This this has been an amazing chat. I I appreciate you coming on my show. Uh, I would love to have you back on again. <laughs> absolutely yes let's do this again um and chasing that first high i'm telling you you got to write that down <laughs> because that's a whole book right there i know right i i wonder if there's a book called that already i i, I don't know but uh chasing that first high to chasing the one most high you know i don't know i love that but that i i here's my notes I see you giving me chills. Okay. Oh yeah, write that down. You were the second. You were the second woman today that, as you're talking, and I, I take notes, mm -hmm. and I just interrupted her and said, "That's a book. Write that down." <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm an author. I am an author and a uh, public speaker and a freelance writer. So I use words spoken or written. That's just that's who I am. That's where my passion is. Wow. And when I hear something come out of someone's mouth, I'm like, write that down. <laughs> no, no, you're right. And and that is a, you know, maybe I have three books I need to put out this year. I already have two on my in my belly that I want to put out this ah, year. Ah, okay. All right. Yes, yeah. So full books like novels or self-help books or what kind of um, books? They're gonna be novels. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, and but I, I believe that um and I was told this a long time ago, and I believe it, you know, that you write about what you know. So I try to stick to writing about things that I know. Yes. So they're going to always have some truth, a lot of truth in it. And it's going to be more or less something to, it's going to be to help people, give people value. And yes. I always do, always do my, my research. I don't believe I can do fiction. I can't make up, you know, these monsters and, and yeah, me. I, have, I know real monsters, you know, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, um, so exactly. You know, about the real monsters, you, you know, uh, that and what they're doing, those kind of things, and then try to help people to 
to uh, cope with them if they're being triggered by them or being harmed in any way by any of these kind of monsters, <laughs> you know, how to get over after right. they have been hurt by one of these monsters. You know, so my my books would be more or less always kind of on that line. So it's going to be somewhat self-help, but not just a self-help book. I want to do them in story form because I want people to enjoy the reading and try. Well, to and, and you, they can at least I do. I connect more when it's in story form and not just yeah. listed as facts and graphs and numbers. Yeah, because you, know? <laughs> you you need that you need that emotional connection. You you need to pull those emotions out of people. I want them to feel like they were there. They could see, they know exactly what I'm talking about and why I said what I said and why I felt the way I did at the time. So that's what I tried to do in Butterfly Uprising as well, you know, because of the content is so hard. I also included poems, you know, to kind of summarize each chapter because it's about Alexander Scott, who is my character in the book, about her evolving through each of these adversities. And you know, so you see where she is. So don't feel that bad. I mean, yeah, that was a bad time, but you know, but she's all right now. And it ends, of course, with me being in church where I find my faith and, you know, become the person that I am today, knowing why I went through the things that I went through, why I'm here, knowing what my purpose is, that it was born through my pain, those kind of things. And and you know, what it is that God has for me to continue to do and to share and to encourage other people to do, which is to use their voices is sharing their own story because it encourages other people to share theirs. It's all about spreading the light. Exactly. Yeah. Spread the light in those dark corners because there's an awful lot of dark corners and people, they don't, <clears throat> they need to know that they don't have to stay there. They don't, you don't have to stay there. I was sharing with a lady uh, just last night. I when I first moved to Dallas, I met this woman. And I think about her every once in a while now, but it's a sad story. You know, she went through a lot of abuse, domestic violence, just different things. And she's like in her seventies, you know, and she's so bitter. She's just existing and not living, so unhappy. She's not doing anything for herself. You know, she's still stuck way back there in that pain and that all that she want to get even, she can't forgive. She don't feel like she can forgive, you know, and she, still fearful and look, I'm like, oh, that's just so sad. And I, you know, I did all I could, you know, to share with her, you know, why maybe she want to rethink that and not continue to, because she's giving them her power. You know? Exactly. So as long as you do that, you don't, you, you just, and that's exactly the way she's just defeated and helpless. And I just hate to see anyone, uh, you know, because life is such a blessing. You know, so many people don't wake up every day. And so it's just kind of hard for me to see people not trying to live their life to the fullest if they're blessed to have life. Right. Like, see another day. You know, you should do everything in your power to be happy and enjoyed and appreciated and get the most out of it, do the most for somebody else or something. You know, just not waste it. You know, life too short. Yes. Ways. And it is. And to let that bitterness that's inside you, it, 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 it eats you from the inside out. Right. It's just toxic. So she was yes. just, just, in, just in really bad shape. So I pray for her still every time I think about her and bring her up. So I'm hoping that something happened good that maybe, you know, that just, you know, that she was able to shift that mindset and decide to choose her to rescue her own life, be her own rescue, you know, whatever she right. through, you know. Um, but yeah, just to realize that, you know, that you deserve better. It's your birthright to be happy. 
You know, you can have a phenomenal life. You don't have to live like that. That is right. That is right. <laughs> on, on that note, we are going to wrap this up today. Thank you so much for for being my for being my guest on Let Fear Bounce. Definitely want to have you back on because I want to hear more about these books that you've got sitting around. You said sitting in your belly. So yeah. I want to hear more about those and that journey as you get those out into the world. We certainly want to, I want to be able to help you share those words. Well, thank you. With my small part of the world that listens to this podcast. So that. Thank you so much. And I, I wish you an incredibly blessed day. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. And back at you. <laughs>